this is also a great pivot to thread surviving. Guys, what happened? It's fine. Raise your hand if you've used threads in the last week. Only I did actually use it. What? Hello from the pool house. We switched spots like the Brady Bunch. Pool house. Maybe Dave and I should switch spots next week. I like this. Um, I feel very disoriented. I feel like I've entered the man cave of glowing lights. Sam, did you put glowing lights on your pool house on purpose? Does it make your muscles look bigger or something? I don't know, but I feel like I'm in a, a luminescent sauna. It's like CrossFit champions when they put oil on their bodies just to have like more defined six packs. Look, everyone's <laughs> always talking about how tan I am and I'm not that tan. I'm just in the pool house. <laughs> it turns out it's your shades. This yeah. is the, oh my God, why is this still an issue in 2023 glow? Speaking of 2023 guys, it is, it's like kind of a year uh, in tech and everything else happening. And this has been our reflection of like what how are we going to survive this the rest of the year. So, I'm excited for this pod because I think it is going to be good. And so, um before we get too far into it, we should introduce ourselves. I'm Jessica Lesson, founder in the information here for this week of more or less with the Morins, Brit and Dave, who we got to see in real life this week. Yes. Um, we had our we first had ever more or less event. That was so fun. Thanks for hosting. Yeah. It was really fun. I'm I'm still tired from staying up past 9:30, but woohoo. <laughs> um and then in in the basement, not the pool house, Sam Lesson ready to fire off uh for the week. So, we've got a full quorum, no fifth wheel this week, although we had so much fun with Mr. Belsky and we will um we're we're eagerly awaiting applications for the next fifth week. I'm shocked that after the incredibly good time that Scott Belsky had, that we didn't get all these applications flooding in to be our next fifth wheel. Because we didn't make fun of him at all. And, you know, I just feel like we were so kind. I think there was a cardigan <laughs> comment or two. But we're here. We're, it's another week. Now, um, I've been really busy, guys. So I got to say, I don't even know what's happening in the world. I know there's something about a football player and a pop star. <laughs> I know that... Um, you know, the information, as always, is really breaking a ton of news, especially about yet another fundraising round for Anthropic in the AI world of craziness. How long was that? A, a, a week between billion dollars? That's basically right. Uh, OpenAI is trying to raise money at 90. I think we talked about that last week. We're also in this, like, well, we had Meta last week in the develop. We're entering developer conference season, which... I also fondly call put my hardware device in your holiday gift guide season um, because <laughs> there's just a stream great. of hardware events. Um, we actually saw, I think last week we talked about the humane it's, device. It's more, uh, you know, companies that shouldn't be putting hardware devices out uh, season. Yes. Well, we all know, see episode number whatever on why to not launch <laughs> it's all the it's all the ai companies who realize that they have no defensibility so their solution is to create a hardware product to wrap their ai product it's just like so predictable <laughs> and then have it walk down the runway at paris and then the next week. 
It's like, and then the next, and then the, the the next morning, Google announces a better hardware platform for the AI product that you already just tried to turn into a hardware product. Yeah, that's happening oh, in hardware. It's happening in software, which I guess like maybe gets us to our theme. Britt, you you kind of like kick us off. Hmm. Like, what is happening in startup land now, and what do we need? We got a couple months left in the year. Yeah, what do well, we need to be thinking about? You know me, queen of data over here. Um, I, I, I do like to use data to make decisions. And uh, Q3 is now over. We are embarking on Q4. That's some good data week. you have right there, Brett. So I do have some interesting <laughs> data. Called a date. It's called a calendar. <laughs> As of Q3 closing. Welcome to my life, guys. We have seen an enormous amount of startups that either went bankrupt or dissolved um, or otherwise shut down in Q3 of 23. Um, it went from 170 in Q2 to 212 in Q3. So a meaningful lift there. It has to be more than that. I feel like I could name 212. Well, they're doubled year over year. From Q3 2022, it was like 120. So we're, we're you know, and this Who is- Who collects this data, Britt? Because it's not like your startup shuts down and then you send PitchBook a letter. This is from Carta. So Carta is where, you know, everyone keeps their cap tables. Are you uh, sure there's people who just decide to not pay their Carta bills anymore? (laughs) (laughs) Because they really overcharge. If you pay extra, Carta will tell you which startups shut down of those 212. I'm just joking. Um, So, so anyways, I just think that we've, we've seen this company coming. This year has been a reckoning for startups, for funds, for you know the market in general, IPOs. We talked about this, and and I don't want to be negative this episode, but I do think we we as all founders ourselves and investors, most of us, like I think we can give some practical tips for how startups can um, not shut down and actually survive and thrive till twenty five. Be like what I just did there, because I think it's important that to know that it's not just going to be like oh get through Q four and you'll be better next year. Like I think we should be advising these companies to really try to stay alive until even like mid twenty five because of the way that the market is continuing to. How about this? Can we just advise the companies to stop building to be a product for the next venture capital round instead of just build good businesses and treat capital as an option on the future? It's not just about surviving. You want to thrive with or without. Yes, but we're actually going to help them figure out how to do that because telling people to just build a good business is like me telling someone to just go break a good story, you know? It's not that useful. Well, and I think that's one viable path, Sam, but like not every startup can get there, uh, you know, especially in like a quarter or two quarters time. Like there are a lot of things that need to happen unless unless they're truly, you know, shifting very hard. And so I just don't know if, if founders uh, especially understand all the different ways they can save their startup. And I mean, I've heard a lot about different types of recaps lately. You know, there's this notion of crammed out, you know, there's like a lot of investor terminology that startup founders don't understand. Um, a lot of them are embarking into debt financing. Is that good or bad? You know, I, I just, I wonder if we can maybe give them a sense of what options are out there. Yeah. Why don't we go through with our best tips? Sam, what's your tip? Make money, charge more. I mean, I, <laughs> look, I think, I think charge more. My- think about pricing. That's a good tip. So I, I was meeting the founder recently. I love this fact. He's talking about, you know, they take over a lot of businesses. And he was saying, well, the first step whenever you buy a new business is immediately raise prices. Um, and he's like, and you just like do that's the number one step you must start with is raise prices. And by the way, that's how you get inflation. But um the the reality is is like, look, 
you know, I, I'm very much in the camp of there used to be this mentality of people saying, well, you're either building a lifestyle business or you're building an important platform. And God forbid you ever try to build a lifestyle business with Silicon Valley money. Like that's the worst thing you could do, which makes sense if you're an investor because you want companies that require more and more capital. So you get to keep buying more and more of the startup along the way. Like capital, ironically, venture capitalists love things that can be very large, but take lots of money, right? Um, it's a weird counterintuitive fact. That is, unless you're a real true seed investor, as we would like to define ourselves, in which case we like capital efficiency because we don't want to get crammed down by later rounds and have the risk of the money not showing up. And by the way, founders, you don't want to get crammed down by no, you later do not. rounds. Yeah, I think that's actually one of the things that people don't speak to very often, which is that the founder, you know, all, all you founders out there, you also don't want to get crammed down. And that's why your seed investors, you know, yeah. hashtag marketing for ourselves are really the only aligned capital you'll ever get, right? Because mm -hmm. we come in and the reality is we're seed investors get fucked even before the founders do. Because what happens is, you know, if you have a company that needs too much money, if everything works perfectly, up and to the right, never a hiccup to be seen, then fine. Everyone works out. And that's been the story of the last many years. And people got really comfortable with this idea that things just march up and to the right and everyone's happy. But if you're a seed investor and there is one round ever where you need capital and the market doesn't want to give it to you, right? Or someone says, huh, I'm your, I'm your financier of last resort. The first people who lose are the seed investors. The second, the second people who lose are the founders. Are the founders. And, yeah. and the founders lose second because usually someone will re-up you at least a little bit. Yep. Right. Yep. But the, the, your seed investors are fucked in that scenario. So we really don't want you to get cornered, right, um, at any point. And what you're seeing now is a ton of companies are getting cornered, right? Even good ones, right? Which is a real problem for the earliest capital that goes in the highest risk capital. So, you know, when I think about what it means to build sustainable businesses for the long term, you know, my big thing is going back to this whole lifestyle, not lifestyle business thing is I think a lot of founders over the last many years were convinced by venture capitalists that the way to build great companies was do not build a quote unquote lifestyle business, go for growth, 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 you know, don't, you know, don't worry about the money, et cetera. It's terrible advice, right? What you should be Can doing. Can we just phase out lifestyle business? Everyone calls the information a lifestyle business. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm sitting here doing my nails when like, it's clearly we've built, I've built one of the most successful digital media stars the last 10 years by valuation ever yeah well, give credit i got that at britain co my whole journey too and it really pissed me off i actually have it in a deck i've been working on it's called not so lifestyle businesses <laughs> and the reality is is like the 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 most successful founders i know especially in this environment it's hilarious everyone's complaining about the vc-backed founders there's this whole class of founders who took either no or very little capital early and have just built machines of profitability and growth, sometimes in industries you'd never even thought existed. And they're sitting pretty, right? Because they have options. It doesn't mean you never take money. Let's call them mobs, machines of profitability and growth. Oh, I like that. The mop. My kids have gotten into Shark Tank, and I don't remember which episode, but this uh, founder came on Shark Tank and was pitching their business, and it was like exactly what you've described, Sam. And literally every shark on the stage was like, what are you doing here? You shouldn't take our money. Please leave. Yeah, totally. I mean, like, there are all these people <laughs> that, that kind of they're secretly making, again, like 10, 20, 30 million dollars with great margins. And this like, been, we've made this point. I, I want to, I don't want the listeners okay, to feel fine. like the we're point just is, talking our build, own shop here. So just take your business yeah. and do that. Right, which means like figure out how to be profitable, figure out how to treat venture capital as an option, not a requirement. And candidly, if you're super far off from that, right, you should change your business rapidly and dramatically. I th I think that's yes. I still I think those are viable options too. Um, I mean, a, 
a lot of startups are thinking that if they can't do that, their only option is a down round, um, like significant down round, or to raise debt before they, you know, have to go out of business. What advice would you guys give for the debt <laughs> uh, lenders out there? Do you think debt is good or bad? I've had personally um, very bad, pretty bad experiences <laughs> with debt providers. However. There has been one that um, I had worked with at Britain Co. That when you know we had to make a big move a few many years back, they were very kind and and sort of like renegotiated the terms and and so like I I will say not all debt lenders are super predatory sharks, but they're mostly predatory sharks. Would you guys agree? Yes. No, I don't think they're sharks. I actually think like, they don't want. The, I actually think it's, that's a little unfair. Yeah, it's just a it's a simple structure. Yeah. They're not designed for this, right? Like debt is actually an incredible instrument. Debt is cheaper than equity. You'd much rather have, if you have a business that makes money, that's set up well, that can support actual debt, that's a wonderful product and actually way cheaper than equity investing. So it's actually great. The problem is startup debt, especially in any sort of, you should never use debt because you can't get equity because you're going to get fucked. First of all, no one, to be clear, no lender should ever give that to you. Like that's but it the, happens all the time and Sam's nailing it, you know, like you should never use debt if you're actually trying to put equity into a business like this. Right. And this happens so much. It's ridiculous. Exactly. I mean, that's why I'm putting it out there. I think like this is what a lot of founders are thinking right now. Like, oh, it's fine. I'll just go raise some debt. That'll get me through the next 12 months. Because it's pretty simple because, you know, once you've spent that capital, if that was supposed to be equity, by the time you've you've run through it and you cannot raise equity next time around, then the literal pressure on the opposite direction of your business is just magnified, right? So you're you're basically running into the ground faster. And that's not at all what you want to happen. I'd also just say, like, remember, like, debt is an incredible, the whole point of debt is low risk, low return. It's designed yeah. for predictable outcomes. You're like, I need cash. I'm sure I can pay it back. The lender's like, I'm sure you can pay it back. They've done their homework. The model works. It's for predictability. Equity investment is designed for high-risk scenarios. It gets paid way more when it works, right? But it has nowhere near the predictability on the downside. So it's literally the wrong product to use. So what I basically say is like, it is like you're asking for trouble if you ever do that. And the, the funny thing, which I've never really understood, is like no one should lend to you. If you're a startup, then you're using you're using debt to survive, right? Because you can't get access to equity. Like that's a terrible deal for the debt side of the equation as well. Right. But it does happen. Brit's right. And it's just like you're way better off just shutting down and like repackaging the assets and coming back in some other form with a clean cap table than you are trying to mess around with that. Wasn't there a period when the VC firms were going to get into the debt business because they had all this intel that would supposedly give them an edge? Yeah, they also they also thought they knew how to price things in the private market, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) they did. They were wrong. So it's like, look, the basic story of VCs got way too much money and became, instead of actual investors, just became asset gatherers. And debt is a very interesting asset class is certainly what played out. And they say, oh, we can do, you know, why are we letting these other people do their lending? We know the business is better and we'll just collect the fees. Totally understand as financial institutions that you get there. But like, do not take debt from, you know, named venture capital, multi-stage platforms. Got it. Okay, so no, that's actually that, the, that they will be the only one sharky enough potentially to say, oh, we will actually give you debt company 
on a thing that you should never get debt on because we're actually doing it to drive you bankrupt and take the equity. Um, okay, so that covers debt. What else? If you're, if you're, I mean, you probably should. If you're thinking about whether or not you should lay people off, you should probably lay people off, though. Right? Your point that that's not. Yeah, the only if you're thing. thinking about laying people off, it's already too late. Yeah, and cut once and cut deep is you know the general advice that I give a lot of founders. I've I was just talking to a a startup founder yesterday who's done three riffs in the last 12 months. And like the problem with that is like your employee morale just sucks, right? Like if you do it once and you cut deep and you say, here's the reason why, and here's how we're resetting and here's the plan forward and you don't have to do it again, like your employees believe you. Um, but when it happens a second time or a third time, like God forbid, like no one's going to believe you anymore. People are going to yeah. bail. Like morale's not good. It's, it's just- like to Sam's point, don't do a lay- a bank shot layoff, right? Don't, do a half layoff with the hope you'll get to profitability. Do the layoff to profitability once, get yourself to default alive, and then start making decisions, right? Like, I think that's the really hard pill to swallow right now. And it appears as though there was quite a bit of, you know, not doing that for this most of this year. And now the reckoning's here. I think a lot of people have taken this reasonably seriously for what I've seen, at least, you know, I was with an entrepreneur this morning, I think you know, they're doing a great job at this. I just I do think that there's this mentality, I think this goes back to the, you know, survive to 25 is I think there's this mentality shift has gone from, oh, this isn't a thing to, oh, we just need to wait it out to, oh, the waiting might be longer. And the thing I'm extolling is, this is a fundamental shift and actually return and how yeah. venture capital works. This is a new normal. works. You need to start thinking about your seed round or what you have is what you're going to get and be an entrepreneur and build a sweet business. And if you're in the wrong business, get out of it, right? And if you need to change things, change things, but get healthy to the point that you can then treat capital like an option. Yeah. And by the way, it's okay. I think that's one of the things not being said enough right now. It's okay to get to the end of your seed round and turn to your investors and say, the card we flipped over didn't prove what we thought it would. And so we're either going to shut down or we're going to do something completely different, right? Like that's the thing we've all signed up for in this ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we talk about this enough and we don't normalize it enough that this is just okay, right? And that's actually the entire point of this milestone-based funding system that we've all sort of co-developed together. I love it. Can can I pivot and ask another company that... um... I don't know. I don't know if it could quite shut down, but um, you know, Twitter continues to have. They got some um, debt. Twitter's got some debt. I believe <laughs> that uh, Linda's um, meeting with the bankers. I think as we're recording this to try and renegotiate that debt. There was also, um, you know, I would say that she has not emerged as a. I don't know. Did you guys watch her interview? That's something that happened in the last week. She It was one of the greatest pieces of comedy of the I last I didn't see years. the interview. I just saw the reaction. I just and saw so like just, a weird gif of the of what happened in a written. It was like this weird really experience where it was so insidery that I kind of was like, I don't even think this is worth watching. No, like, Dave, you will love it. It is worth really? watching, Dave. Really? It is, yeah, I think so. Listen, she actually my new theory is that she knew she was going to these debt negotiations. And she's like, I need to look terrible and insane so that I can renegotiate. The That's lenders smart. this week, the renders this week, they, she doesn't even, you know, she was holding up her phone. Everyone's making fun that she doesn't have Twitter on the homepage, but she has Facebook and Instagram, you know. And you're like, this is brilliant because all of a sudden, if I'm going into renegotiate a debt deal, I'm like, the CEO doesn't use the product. 
she seems crazy and angry. Like, I'm like, what, what, what deal can I get? Give me any possible deal. It's, it might be one of the great renegotiation strategies in history. <laughs> Alas, I don't think that was her negotiation strategy. You know, among, for those of you who didn't watch it, we can recap this interview for you very quickly. So she was, um, really just like asking Julia Borston, who's an excellent interviewer to like repeat the questions. So like clearly not paying attention. Um, Julia would ask her a question about something Elon said. And she would say, did he, did he really say that? <laughs> um, she said a, an information article was only partially true when Elon, in a rare move, confirmed the article on X, which is, again, very rare given his views of the media. And, um, and then many other things. And then just was like, hey, guys, I have to go catch an airplane. I mean... Um, and sorry if my video, I, you know, the pool house definitely needs some tech support, Sam, because <laughs> it just goes in and out every couple seconds. Who knew? But I don't know. It's really bad. And I also think like then she kind of blamed the whole thing on code asking, you know, a former senior um, Twitter leader uh, who had, you know, been who had like been critical of the company to also speak, which is just really bad form to be like, you know, I, it kind of felt like, you know, she didn't want to have to not, they weren't on stage together, right? This is just another speaker at the conference. So I think you're making this sound way too neutral. Is she going to get fired like in the next month? No. What's happening? <laughs> Sam, what do you think is going to happen? I have my opinions, but I want yours first. I think she's going to get the greatest debt renegotiation deal in the history of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know, it's um, my favorite moment in this, by the way, was when she goes around, she's like, and she somewhat rhetorically, but she did ask, she's like, who here wouldn't want Elon Musk running product for their company? And like all these people raise their hand and she does a great <laughs> Elon. Actually, she understand why they get along. She looks and she says, oh, well, well, maybe 1% of you don't want that for, for personal reasons. Like, it's like, I mean, you're even from the camera angle, he does a lot more than 1% raising hands. And it reminded me a lot of I think we were all at the um, the Chappelle show when oh, yeah. Elon got booed yep. off stage. Yeah, but they I had taken but, everyone's but phones. I'll pretend I was there. Well, the three of us were, and and Elon and Elon was like, well, you know, the, the whole reporting from him was like, oh, well, like a handful of people was like, no, 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 like half the audience shut shut it down, and you really spun it. So I'm like, I was like, oh, this is great. I understand why they get along. They're they're spinning the the, the their read of the crowd reaction to the camera. Um, I don't know. I I think look. She is not someone I, I think the thing that really shocked me is, is she clearly interesting choice to go take that job. I, I understand the appeal if you're in her place. She's kind of a senior executive no one's ever heard of. You know, she's, you know, late in her career. She wants a shot at the limelight. It is a big role. It is an interesting role. Roll the dice. But it does seem like a little bit of a hostage situation at this point. Dave, what do you think? She sticks it out? Yeah, I think she, she sticks it out, right? I think she was hired to do this job uh, exactly as it's playing out. And uh, I think she knew what she was getting into. And she just um, seemed, she seemed meaner than I expected on stage. Hmm. That was the thing that was surprising to me. I didn't see this. So I'm commenting on something I didn't see, uh, but I'm, I'm making a more general comment here. Sam, what do you mean mean? And are you making a sexist comment or do you think she was actually? Maybe, but if I am, it's by accident. I just like, she came off, like it's wanting to come off as like, Oh, what's going on with Elon? She just seemed very angry. Right, she was combative, which is a personality thing. And you can have male CEOs who are combative or female CEOs who are combative. But like, 
it just seemed like it also seemed like she wasn't prepared, which was shocking to me because this is a woman who's been very successful at presentations to advertisers, right? And, and relationships well, with advertisers. Well, no one, no one works over there, right? So maybe yeah. she didn't have any prep. <laughs> yeah, well, that, I was just like, you know, just don't, like, don't show up without, you yeah. know, knowing what you want to say. But any of us could, I mean, like, look, I think the reality is, I, I think any of us could have winged that interview as the CEO of Twitter being, you know, put on stage, you know, five minutes ago, five minutes being hired and, and come off way better. Um, and I even have X on my home screen. Yes, Ooh. that's true. Wow. You are an wow. evangelist. Wow. I think you're the one, only one of us. You just yeah. called it X, Really? You too. don't have X on your home screen? No, uh, I don't even have it on my phone you anymore. You have emerged as the pro user among the quad yeah, I, I, I like Twitter. Do you guys? Here's the thing. Do you? Well, I think I know where this is going, but so we think that she probably stays in the role. But should she stay in the role? Like, are we more oh, or less Linda yeah, as the CEO of Twitter or of yeah. X? Yeah. You think she should have no, this no. job? I don't. I don't know if I agree There's with no that. Way she should have this um, job. I, I think, like, well, first of all, Threads is not <laughs> playing out the way we all said it would, you know, yeah, back well, in that's the summer. T- that's the next topic. Um, like but, but, and so I think it has some implication to X slash Twitter. And I, it seems like, you know, their big move is kind of like a bigger pivot into a new type of technology platform beyond just like messaging or like little updates. And like, I, I feel like a more technical leader is more important than a sales leader in that regard. I know she has to keep business afloat. I know she has to give it a float. Great but manager. Can we, can we bring this back to yeah. our keep stay alive thing? Because I actually think it's sure. very nice. Twitter is the biggest startup trying to stay alive out there, right? As a that private company. That's literally it's like, what I said 10 minutes ago, but yes. Are you guys married? <laughs> I bet you're married. <laughs> so like, what have they done? Let's give them, let's give them the scorecard. Scorecard A, big cuts, dramatic. Mean, yeah. like in terms of the presenter, but you know, gotta give Elon credit. He did it. He did it in a big way and gave everyone else permission to cut burn. Stop paying bills. Also, a pretty good idea if you're a startup. Like, don't pay the bills you don't have to, right? Um, so that's pretty good. I like that. Get sued by like 45 companies for rebranding your company X. <laughs> Getting sued by 45 companies kind of, that's challenging, but that's a problem for the future, Brit. <laughs> <laughs> the um you know don't pay severance probably don't do that because that's just gonna like come back to haunt you um you know um try to put someone in ceo or like go full on to make money right so bad news you lost all your advertisers as part of your disastrous you know plan good news i mean they he does seem pretty committed to it if he's going to put a salesperson in the ceo job and profitability so like i give him credit for that right? i think that seems like a lot of the good stuff so, and you know, the debt load, oops, but like, that's a little bit of a special situation that actually will ultimately probably be one of the things that crushes the company. So, yeah. you know, the debt load is interesting. Now, interesting, sending your CEO to go renegotiate the debt saying, we're going to die. You don't want us to die because you have a lot of our debt on the books. So like, let's do a deal. Smart move, right? Like, so I'd actually say Twitter all in all, setting some of the craziness aside, like rebranding yourself for no reason etc but like also the product like i logged in this morning i'm an active user my whole feed was it was there were four cat videos guys i'm allergic to cats i've never (laughs) looked at a cat video on any platform like there are many entertainment like things you could inject that would map to my preferences 
I've had a lot of bugs in my feed lately, like just yeah. ran, like login errors and bugs and all kinds of things. And this is why I'm saying like sh- maybe she'll pull in some like revenue in the near term and renegotiate this debt. But like long term, where is this company going? And well, who's but, in charge again, of the remember, tech? we're in startup survival mode. So if you have to fire all of your engineers, you introduce a few bugs, but you get more profitable, that might be the right thing to do. I mean, I just- Until when though? I just think there's a point in time where that crosses the line and you need like an actual technology plan. And to grow the company. You just got to stay alive, though. This is stay alive to 2025. <laughs> totally. X is trying to like stay alive. We need like the staying alive theme music to this. Can I interject a Brits pop culture um, thing? Not, this is not about Taylor Swift, actually. This is the about um, Apple TV has a show called The Morning Show with Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston. I could recite it for you. I've yes. seen it. And what's interesting about this season, spoiler alert, is the company's like going down in flames. And ironically, you know, this is supposed to be modeled after NBC Universal, where Linda Yaccarino used to work. And the savior is this like guy named Paul or something, but he's like yep. an Elon Musk character. And Played by John Hamm. Yes. Excellent job, John. Coming to buy the company out of like failing and about to become bankrupt. And I just think it's yeah, hilarious. So this is all playing out in real With life. John Hamm. So, it's quite good. I, I yeah. two thumbs up. Um, this is also a great pivot to thread surviving. Guys, what happened? It's fine. Raise your hand if you've used threads in the last week. Only I Sam. did actually use it. What? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's I fine. heard that they're just pivoting, or not just, but they're pivoting to try to get influencers to be very active during live events specifically. This is their new strategy. Well, uh, duh. And also to court the news people. They didn't want the news people. Look, We're trouble. Now they want the news people. I think their biggest yeah, problem is they need DMs. You know, like it, this this whole like punt me back over to Instagram to do my DMs is just like not right. I think when you build a new social app, it's like building a new room that everybody's hanging out in. And if you don't include the ability to talk one-on-one with somebody, then you don't have a complete social system. Um, that's just one of many things that, uh, you know, they've got to add. But I guess the other thing I would say is, um, I don't know, maybe it's good that it's smaller, right? Like I kind of enjoy how it feels. Um, I do think there's a problem and Sam, I think you mentioned this out of the gate, uh, on this product, but you know, the, I think Adam was asking, uh, maybe it was last week, like, what do we need to do to get everyone to come over here? And my gut reaction was like, the problem is everyone's not over here. And so in order to get the news out about something, you've got to post it in two places or three places still. And threads is smaller. Um, but I don't know, the vibe is good, uh, even though it's smaller and, um, you know, I don't know. Those are just some initial thoughts. I think it's fine. Sam, yes. What are your views? What does Threads it's fine. need to do? Look, it's it's going to be a place where lots of people double post for a while. It's a slightly different graph or a different graph than in, than uh, than Twitter. The whole like using Instagram to bootstrap a graph has actually worked dramatically better than I expected it to. It's not I agree perfect, with that. right? Yeah, I agree like with that. it's not perfect. And like I think one of the biggest things is because step one was import graph. People really are not. There's no in the mood of discovery on it. So like there's very little new graph formation because basically move one was like it was like if you know it's like if you you transplanted the huge amount of graph activity and wired it all up you get great content initially but then there is a fall off curve and there's no like real mechanic for incremental growth in it and new connections I think which is I think part of the biggest challenge from my perspective of the platform and where it's at 
it's a long game. They'll be fine. I, you know, I think this idea that there was this moment where it was like, oh my God, the entire of Twitter is going to pour into threads in like a week and we'll be done. That was obviously, I think, a little bit like overzealous and exciting. It was amazing to watch week one, but where are they? They're, you know, an app that has tens of millions of, of DAU that is fun to post on with an inter- interesting graph. The one thing I would say, and Dave, I think your point about DMs is right, but I find the oh, it's all fine, but we just need this one more feature. And they're like, search. And they're like, hashtags. No. Like, I'm like, no. please. Like, no. that is like, that game of like, it's None literally, I call it, I call no. it if you give a mouse a cookie uh, product management, and I yeah. hate it. None of that um, matters. It's a, it's a game. And everyone's always like, this is a traditional thing where everyone's like, well, it's perfect. We just need one more thing. And you're like, no, actually, you need none of that stuff. What you need is like to do something that breaks you in a new direction. There are probably some specific, you know, mechanics around growth and engagement that kind of need to put in there needs to be better algorithmic ranking they'll get there they're committed to it i just don't think we're going to get to a place where it's like they kill twitter you what you're going to get to is a place where it's also a text-based social networky interesting thing with a lot of cross-posting and it'll turns out that you know for all the shit you can throw at twitter i actually say this phase makes you realize how incredibly sticky the graph is yeah right? twitter like, is a sure, cockroach it's, it's never going to, it's kind of like, you know, old cryptocurrencies that one person still mines, like it will never die. And it actually is pretty good. And like, it's pretty valuable. It just might not be worth anywhere near what Elon paid for it. Okay. I have two ideas. One is yeah. I, you know, the only time I like remember threads is when I go to people's profiles on Instagram and see their number of what number they were when they joined. And, and I think like growth hacks, like they should have more interoperability of like, maybe it's the last thing you posted or like, you know, with the dot, dot, dot ellipsis so that you can't really see the whole Are thing you until you click it. Are you Instagram feed thing that says threads for you? No. The last one I got no, was see, they're an information story about threads struggling posted to threads that threads was recommending for me in Instagram. So that was good. Yeah. Oh, okay. that's smart of them. Yeah. Right? So they need to do more of that. And then second, if anyone's followed this company, Laps, is that right? Uh, the number one social app in the app store that's just totally spammed the shit out of Not everyone. Not long. <laughs> I'm just kind of making a joke here, but they could uh, they could force you to, to uh, invite. Wait, t- tell the people what Laps is about. Oh, God, don't promote it. I'm going to promote it only because it's an example of a terrible of social what not flow to do. that's going yeah. to get banned soon, I think. So I think Apple bans it pretty quick. As you sign up for this app, you have you can't even use the product until you invite five friends from your address book. And so you have to upload your address book. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. 2005 to, called and wants its viral yeah, flows back. But 2005 yeah. was awesome. Like, come on. Like, you <laughs> Dave, you of all people can't criticize this. Okay, then you invite your five friends. Okay, you invite your five friends. And then you don't even know this really, but it texts them, love yeah. this, L-U-V, this, all under um, no caps. It's got a whole bunch of different things that it oh, Okay, texts. mine that yeah. came to me said, love this. Like it was my friend sending this to me with a link. And I was like, oh, he like actually really likes this new app. Like, let me try it. And because then, anybody you know uses the word L-U-V. Yeah. I have friends that use L-U-V, Dave, because I'm okay, in my 30s and just, you guys right. are all in your 40s. So. Right. <laughs> I just look, I have an idea. Why don't you make it so it opens up Instant Messenger and Instant Message is everyone you communicate with on Instant Messenger. There's a way to grow. Yeah, Plaxo calls and wants its growth flow back. Does yeah. Instant Messenger still exist? No, no, I'm making a joke. Like you guys are so hip- hypocritical. We're just making old old man jokes. Oh, I see. Because yeah. you guys yeah. all did yeah. this. Yes. But now we're wise. Okay. So that um uh, Brent, I uh, last threads question. 
if you were meta, would you have rolled out threads any differently? Like, um, because of Ooh. this or I have one thought on this. Well, I'm not exactly sure what I would have done differently, but there's this nuanced thing that relates to what Sam said around discover, like discovery and finding new people. There was a moment there in the beginning of threads. And I mean, we're talking the speed at which they rolled it out caused this to only happen for a few days, right? Where you were discovering a bunch of new people. There was like new graph creation happening. And then it very quickly was overtaken by like kind of just becoming the Instagram graph again. And I don't exactly know how I would change the rollout in order to elongate that period of discovery in the middle. I mean, I've literally gone and tried to build another social network because of this exact thing. Because I think people really love that. They love, I think Clubhouse had an element of this in the beginning where there was this new graph forming and it was super interesting and you were seeing new faces. It was like you're in a new room and meeting a lot of new people. And that just doesn't happen very much right now. Like we're all kind of locked into the graph that we have on each of these apps and you don't meet new people very often. And that was the really powerful positive thing about threads there for like a brief window of time. And if I could figure out how to engineer extending that window so that people could meet more new people while one of these things was growing, I think that would be really magic. I don't if I'm in that room down there, though, I'm not exactly sure how to do that because this, especially if I'm meta, the sheer sort of scale and speed of everything that they're doing kind of blows through that moment, right? Um, anyway, that was... Yeah, I think that's thought. a really good point. And I think you're hitting on something which you could say they do differently, which is like, you know, the, the beauty of threads is that they're in like the rollout. It was so shock and awe inducing, right? Was only meta has the infrastructure and the ability to like take rocket fuel and dump it onto a match totally. so quickly and get to a no one you can't do that unless you're them even infrastructurally like totally. they could do it then the question is should they have and yes. it's a tough call because on one hand you're like look there was a specific moment especially with twitter they timed it beautifully right to like capture a moment and like they created a huge amount of excitement that like drove a ton of engagement so i think there was like an argument pro yeah the con really is hard. it's kind of like taking your entire canister of fuel and dumping it on kindling before the main logs have lit, right? <laughs> Which is like, you kind of like get a huge fireball and then you kind of are back down to your coals and have to really like work hard to reignite the main logs. And so you could imagine a world where this restraint version would be, look, you only let, you know, Brit, what, you know, you like looking at people's user numbers because you're user seven. So you're like, oh, you're, you're not as cool as me. <laughs> yeah, kind of, a little bit. Okay, you got me. And then every once in a while, you see one person, like the four people are like, ooh, you are cooler than me. So like, you know, but there's a world in which you said we're only going to onboard, you know, 10,000 people a day, right? And Or even 50,000 people a day. And you kind of like, you could figure out Clubhouse-like dynamics. Now, bridge to where, who knows? I mean, Clubhouse obviously did that very beautifully as a tactic, but it was a bridge to nowhere because the app couldn't support actual scale and became terrible, right? So you need a good... Pro so, but it, so it's not that you clearly would have done something different, but you could have, to your point, Dave, like, they they chose to dump all the fuel at once. And that actually, I think, might have been the right call. And I actually think they still are probably in a pretty good place overall compared to where they could have been, right? Yeah, for sure. It's so hard mm. to call, you know. I, I guess I would... The reason I actually focus on the DMs question is related to this discovery thing. I still think Threads has this great opportunity to be 
a discovery point for new people and new conversations. And when you discover a new person, you want to talk to them, you know, and you want to go deeper. And so I, I just think that that's to me kind of armchair quarterbacking, you know, like where to go here. I will, I will say one of the things I find gives me a lot of hope about threads and actually it makes me excited is, you know, what it's become for me more than anything has become my like verbal diarrhea app. It, Twitter used to be this for me, but at any point, like when you have a really established voice and audience in a space, you can't really just post whatever you want. Like on Twitter, like I know who follows me at this point. I know what they want to see. So you become the medium is the message. You are the content for them. It's like, it's going to be about these topics or Instagram. It's like too polished, right? So since it's too polished, then what do you need? You need stories, right? To like put your junk somewhere that you want to publish. That's like not the highest quality stuff you're willing to put on your profile. And so there's this like whole thing of like, where does volume go like throughout your day? And for me, you know, there's a few threads I put it in, whatever, but I've become very, I'm sorry, a few groups, you know, WhatsApp, whatever, certainly my, our weekly podcast. But for me, it's like all the stuff that I think is like funny memes that like, I'm not going to post to Twitter because like, it's not my brand there. My mini, Ooh, you know, it's not so interesting, people, Sam, you've honed your social media brands and well, I've just figured out what people want to click on. Well, it's true. Right. There is a, there's a different vibe over there. It's true. And so I think it's good. I mean, I think historically the place that all the content that's weird goes eventually does grow very nicely, especially with nice algorithmic ranking where you can figure out what to actually show other people. Right. So I, I, I'm pretty, have you figured that out on, on threads? No, I, I cannot at all figure out what yeah, they I can't either. Or don't. I, I pretty much only know that I need to be like Dustin Moskovitz, um, which is very hard for me. And so I can't uh, get the distribution that he's getting. Is that just to be punny? Is that what you mean? Like, yeah, puns? I guess maybe punny. So maybe I should get Britt to write my threads. Can we get Masarion as our next fifth wheel and just grill him about no, how to raise We can, but he won't be a good fifth wheel. He's not going to say anything. We're coming to um, you, Adam. Okay, guys, I have a last question. Uh, anyone on the SBF jury? Because that's happening now. Oh, is that happening? It's happening. We Isn't this like, isn't it amazing that this is a non-event? Is Michael Lewis's book finally coming out? Is that what I heard? It is. No, Michael Lewis like lived with him or something for a year and wrote and a book about him. And he defended him. He defended him on 60 Minutes and got taken to the woodshed over it, <laughs> Um Sam, can, it, can you describe the crypto community's um, reaction to this moment? Are they... I don't think what? anyone cares. I mean... We're like, really not talking about crypto enough. He... I love crypto. Look, he's obviously going to jail. I love crypto. I was like, he's obviously going to jail and like broke a bunch of rules uh, pretty blatantly. And that's just like not very questionable. It'd be fascinating for him not to get go to jail. Um, I think everyone's a little bummed because I think there is some good stuff going on in the crypto community. And everyone thinks this is going to create another six month window or more where the media is just going to love to point out all the shit of crypto. And so yeah. it's going to set everything back six plus months while this trial happens. And until the trial clears out, you can't clear out the deadwood uh, and kind of get back to building. I don't know. I think that was going to happen anyway. Uh, like, I agree it with was. Sam. It's just, it's just a delaying thing. I was like, ugh, it's actually looking up. Things are looking better. I think that's kind of... Good, but Sam, like, ugh, we're going to get through the trial. You and I both know that the, the trial has nothing to do with crypto uh, and how it's going to play out in the future. Yeah, but the, right? but the like, media is going to get to crypto bad. Yeah, it's all over headlines. the news. You're going to have like New York Times live blogs with like his mugshot for a while. Mm. and like It's hard to get a Bitcoin ETF with that being the headline above it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For a while. It's a media circus and he's like a character that plays right into it. Well, we'll see. Okay, Brent, I'll give you the last word on Taylor, but I got to say I'm pretty upset about this whole football situation. Okay. Well, you're <laughs> talking about media circus and I just think, uh, you know. Think, like, oh, I have thoughts. Okay, I know I was going to give you the word, but I'm going to take one. And okay. Go for it. When Are you Taylor less Swift, less Taylor Swift, Jess? I mean, and I, I am a fan through and through. I even thought of wearing a red lip for this podcast. Ooh. I really did. But um, when Taylor Swift is dating someone, she vanishes into a hole and tries to have an actual relationship. This is so fake. And I think of her as a great artist and a savvy businesswoman, but this is something else. This is a stunt and oh, it's Jess. making me rethink my admiration for her. Jess, you just have to go back to the 1989 era. She's so clearly recreating the media overexposure of the 1989 era just in time for the 1989 yeah, yeah, yeah. release. Yeah, like that to I, me is what's going on. I don't think that any of this is real. However, not. Here, here are the facts. I don't know. I think they might like each other. They like each other <laughs> like we like each other. Like, I'd go to your football game, Dave. Like, like you know? Oh, Fact thanks, number one. Jess. Fact number one. Her movie comes out next Friday. What do you think she's doing to gain publicity? Her new album comes out. Her new re-released, her version album of 1989 comes out later this month. Okay, there's that too. And little known fact, the day that Usher got named the Super Bowl halftime star, who, by the way, is Scooter Braun's BFF, Taylor shows up at the NFL game and totally steals the all the NFL audience's attention to that I don't know. We're and way not down to conspiracy Usher. Conspiracy land on no, this. this is real. And <laughs> by the way, Blake Lively, who came to the game the other night, also has a movie coming out soon. So, but she isn't as they all part have of movies the SAG. Coming out. But Blake Lively is part of the SAG thing, so can't promote the movie on television. But can like show up with and Taylor. Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman have a movie coming out. I mean, the whole suite have movies yeah, coming out. So like they can't go on the Today Show and promote the movie, but, how but they do can we be with feel Taylor. About this guys, like how do I we think feel? it's really smart? I think this is marketing genius. Is it any different than what we're doing? You know, it, it, it's just the modern internet, right? Like this is how yeah, you do things. Yeah, it's way better than what we're doing, David. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fair. <laughs> then you have like all these New Yorkers like not cheering for the Jets, which is sad. I don't know. I'm like, I, you, you know. You know what she should do? She should make an app that when you download it, it texts everyone you know how much they love her movie. <laughs> and you can't go to the movie unless you invite five friends. Hold on. If Taylor <laughs> Swift launched a new Threads competitor, would you put your money on Taylor's app for the for the next six months? Taylor's app having more engaged users or Threads? Only if it Threads. were on Facebook's infrastructure, you know? Yeah. yeah. What is Taylor Swift going to do? Put it on Heroku? <laughs> <laughs> no, Sam. It'll be on Vercel. Yeah. It's going to be a okay. Salesforce app. Right. You make a good, I, I, I totally get that there's a masterminding behind yes. this, you may mm-hmm. say. Nice. But I just felt like the great thing about her was like it was crazy publicity, but like she wore it well. And yes, it's all publicity and salt target. I'm not so naive that I think it wasn't strategic, but like it just seemed like, you know, she was delivering these great shows. She's sort of Herculean in the tour and doing it and stick with it. And she was already up here. Mm-mm. This seems like no. this little fake But what are you going to do? Just like not live your life? No. Hold on. She had a break She's in her concert. Her before she goes, she doesn't go international till the end of November. And she stopped touring in the U.S. in August. So between August and, and November, <laughs> she needs a publicity spike for her movie and her album. And that's what this is. 
It's just she's obvious. Swift, though. I mean, okay. no, Sam, she's got to go after Bad Bunny, you know, or something like that. What's is Bad Bunny? Is that a man or a boy? Oh, no. It's a, oh Sam. no, Sam. Sam. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think we've we've subjected our awesome listeners to a lot this episode. We started with how to save your startup. We moved to how to save Make Twitter, money. how to save threads with a Taylor cocktail of just keep the publicity alive and see what happens. And we're all just here for it because like we all want something to believe and follow right now. And it, it just And look you know, the big can I just say I think Taylor, if she tried to go renegotiate her debt right now down, very hard time. Taylor Very has no hard debt. time. No one's giving Taylor her, her a deal on her debt. She's too that strong. That woman has no debt. Okay. <laughs> a huge thank you to everyone. Uh, thank you to our back channel. Um, thanks, you guys. We are, I mean, I don't mean to brag and we don't need to get into, you know, a good friend of ours says comparison saps joy, but um, we are rising through the podcasting ranks. Um, thanks to all of you. So please send us feedback, share make fun of us. Um, and we'll look forward to this next week. The lessons will be on the road, but um, from the great state of, of New York. Live from New York. Bring good from Mikey, New guys. York. We'll be here. I will look less dewy. I, you know what I look like? Um, Welcome I look to like, New York. Um, uh, Haley Bieber's new um, like skin line, the uh, peptide serum. Contouring is very powerful. I gave you some of that. Stuff. You were so excited from a conference. I was excited, I, and I tried it, and um, I don't need it because I can just bask in these lights. But um, great to chat with you guys, and uh, yeah, see you next week. See ya. See you next week. If you enjoyed this show, please leave us a virtual high five by rating it and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Find more information about each episode in the show notes and follow us on social media by searching for at more or less at Dave Morin at lesson at J lesson. And as for me, I'm at Brit. See you guys next time. <laughs>